0: Welcome to Senior Connect, a podcast by Okra. In this episode of Shannon's Sunshine Share, guest host Joanna Timonier talks with Andrea Barato about the five stages of dementia and how patients acclimate to new environments. All right, everybody. Good afternoon and uh, welcome to Facebook Live from the Lantern of Madison. My name is Joanna, and um, as some of you probably know, I am actually from Saybrook, but I am filling in for our sunshine girl Shannon today. So um, we're just gonna roll with it today, aren't we? We're totally gonna roll with it. Totally gonna roll with it. And I'm so happy to be here and I'm so excited to bring you our so special guest today, Andrea, and um, she's the Swayas coordinator and she's also a certified dementia practitioner. And and so we're very, very proud to have her. And today she's going to uh, cover the five stages of acclimation to a new environment for person with dementia. So um, we want to welcome you. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background first, before we get into everything.
1: Um, I've been with the Lantern of Madison for six and a half years now. Um, I've been in STNA for 21 years. Wow, so you know.
0: You've been, I've been there, I've You've been, there, been, in, the been, you've been um, in the trenches.
1: I've been a certified dementia practitioner for two years now, and I've been the SWAYS coordinator for the memory care
0: unit here in Madison for going on three and a half years. Wow. So that's that's a real experience. You came from the ranks and you, you made your way I up did. the ranks. And so you pretty much know everything that's happening. You, you have a hand in line. I because do. You've gone through it and you have done it. And a lot of what we're going
1: to be talking about today is all based on information that I've gained through experience. Um, this is all research and data that I have gained through a lot of personal experience of working with Alzheimer's and dementia for 21
0: years. Yeah that's wonderful that's wonderful. So we are so so lucky to have her um, So when you go into a new environment, you know it takes time to get used to that environment it does yes you know we've all been in new places and new surroundings and you know you're a little uncomfortable. You know you're not quite sure where you're going you don't really know anybody new house
1: that creeks at night new house that
0: creeks like every little thing like you know it it takes a lot for us to get used to a new environment okay so when you're talking with individual about individuals with dementia it becomes much more difficult um they go through different stages um and a lot of them have similarities to the five stages of grief yes yeah five stages of grief so why don't you maybe maybe start us off with maybe like the The first stage, like, say someone's moving into the lantern, like, what is that first stage that, like, the family could expect to see? So
1: with the different stages of grief, which obviously are denial, anger, uh, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, our clients with Alzheimer's and dementia, when they move into a new environment... um, pretty much go through the same thing. And this has been just a lot of years of just kind of observing and watching mm-hmm. and just noticing more and more and more how it is relating so much to that, that grief process. Right. Um, when we're in a stage three or four of the disease process and often in the beginning stages of a five, um, I think that we're a little bit more aware of our surroundings. So the struggle is a little bit more Um, When we get into our late stages of fives and sixes, um, we're a little bit more malleable, if that makes sense, where Mm -hmm. um, it's not we don't have the same expression of behaviors. Right. Not to say that there won't be any because there will be, but they're going to be out of character type behaviors Mm -hmm. um, and they express them in a bit of a different way. Okay. Um, Okay. So we'll start with our first stage, which is denial um this stage can be very difficult it's it's very difficult for the loved ones who are admitting their um Mm -hmm. family members here um they could be in denial that they had to move um they're in denial that they can't care for themselves anymore they're um in denial that um i have a home already i'm not sure why i have to be here um, and they really under, they really struggle to understand the why behind the move, because at this stage, it's not always easy to really process the why behind the move. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you, we cannot debate and argue with them. Their reality is their reality. And to debate and argue with them during this time, is, it only increases their agitation. It only increases that anxiety that they're
0: going through in this new environment. Um, and not only it, not only that, it it, it it causes stress within the family. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, very
1: much so. Um, it can cause a lot of stress, and again, you know that kill, caregiver guilt and and that we feel after taking care of our loved ones and then not being able to take care of them anymore, right. it it hurts, you know. Right. So um,
0: when it comes to the denial part, like I see a lot of it, you'll you'll get like family conflicts with this one, because the person who's always taking care of mom or dad sees it yes and maybe you might have a brother or sister who's out of town or doesn't come around as much and they don't see it right so and that's that's actually through all of the stages yeah to be perfectly honest
1: um, during this stage of denial this this stage is difficult for families because um, you're you're you know you're doing what's best for your loved one right. Right. you know they can't be safe at home anymore and in your heart of hearts you know you're making the right decision but they pull on your heartstrings because they do have a home. And how could you take me from my home? Um, Often when you bring them in and you set up their apartment, they're very accepting in that moment, especially when you're there with them, it makes it more comforting. It's a little bit easier of a transition, but then when you leave, um, often they will start to increase their confusion and sometimes their agitation. And again, if you try to correct their reality, it only increases that agitation. So we as care staff, we try to go with the flow with them. We have to go with the flow during this stage and go along with where they are in the moment. We have to meet them where they are in the moment and we have to meet them in their reality because their perception of that reality isn't gonna change, right? Because we tell them it should change. Um, So as caregivers, we have to become those advocates for the clients. We have to make them feel like somebody's on their side, um, validate that they have every right to feel the way that they feel.
0: Um, And so,
1: yeah, that's that's denial.
0: That's denial. So when it comes to like when we were talking about when when you bring them in, it's real important not to go and buy all new stuff. Don't worry what their stuff looks like because it's their stuff. And that's what's going to make them feel comfortable, right? Absolutely. So yeah.
1: one of the new, really cool things about us is that their apartments are empty when they move in. It's like anybody moving into a new apartment. Mm-hmm. And for for anybody who has done this before, we spend a lot of time making it our own. And we make it our own with our things that are have a lot of meaning to us. So For instance, if I have a favorite recliner, and it doesn't matter if it's got holes and it's run down, but it's got my whole body imprints in it, and it's the one thing that's super familiar and comfortable to me, bring that recliner. I know it doesn't look good. It's it's okay. We don't care if if the recliner is shabby looking. What we care about is the familiarity of that item, that comfort of that item that it gives to that um, individual who's trying to get through this um, environmental change. You know, their favorite coffee mug. I know that the Lantern provides coffee mugs. We do. But if they had their favorite coffee mug that they drank coffee out of every single morning, that's something that you want to make sure you bring. Um, Because these things that are familiar to them are going to make
0: that space feel a lot more like home. And maybe that environmental change won't be so difficult. Right. And that goes, and the opposite goes is true also. Don't bring so much stuff. Right. That they're super overwhelmed and... Oversensory. It's over sensory.
1: Overload. Yes. There's so much stuff that I don't even know where to begin.
0: Um, and
1: often, you know, we want to make our home
0: home. And you want to make home. them happy. and You want yeah. to let them be happy. So, but can I bring this? Can I bring that? Can I bring this? Can I yes. bring that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's very difficult. So you kind of have to, you know,
1: weigh what you're going to bring and what you're not going to bring. But when you buy all new stuff... Yeah, don't do that. it's It's not familiar to them they don't know this new this new shower curtain and these new floor mats and that new area rug and i've never seen that chair before this is not my space
0: yeah these aren't my slippers those aren't my clothes those aren't absolutely because you're worried about what people are going to think when you bring the stuff in right and we don't care we we just want your loved one to really enjoy the environment and
1: feel comfortable within it yeah um so now Mm, this is a tough one gang this one's anger anger is never easy So now we're starting to realize that we're not going home right away. And we start to exhibit these signs of increased anger or agitation. Mm -hmm. Um, They will pack up their belongings and they will (laughs) wait by the door for somebody to come pick them up. Right. right. They will accuse their family members and loved ones of abandoning them. And we know better, but they don't maybe understand that because, again, they don't understand necessarily the why behind the move. They'll refuse to stay another minute. Um, Often, this is where we have to play it out for them and sit by the door with them and encourage them to come and eat while they wait for that ride. Um, While caring for them, again, we have to be on their side. We have to validate their anger. We have to let them know that they have every right to be angry because anybody in this world that gets angry for any reason, feels like they have that right to be angry right. and telling somebody that they don't need to be angry, that it's, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's going to be fine only is going to increase that agitation. So helping to validate that anger is really helpful for them because then they feel like, well, somebody understands, Yeah. you know, there yeah. is somebody on my side. There is somebody that, that is, that is getting this and how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. Um, and, and it's really important to let them know that they are not alone in their feelings.
0: Um, and then when it comes to anger, there's some trigger words that you probably don't want to use. Like home. Like the word home. We're going to say
1: that a lot. Home is a big trigger word. Um, when you put your purse on your coat on and you say, I'm going home. Well, they're going they to want to come they want with to go you. Too. Yeah, they want
0: to go so, too. So, yes, that will um, always be the trigger word. Yeah. And then I, I was saying, like, what's the best way to leave? Like, should you just say, oh, I'm going to the bathroom and I'll be back and then leave? I mean, what? And unfortunately, you have to sneak out of there sometimes. And unfortunately, you don't always know the level of cognition and memory that
1: they may be able to trace back. Mm -hmm. So if you say, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and you leave and you never come back, I might be standing by the door in five minutes waiting for you to come back from the bathroom because five minutes may not be you know, where my memory point cuts off at. So a lot of times I will help families with, you know, hey, I gotta go run errands for the house, I'll be back later. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to go to work, but I'll be back and see you when I'm done working. I have to go get groceries for the house. Um, I have to go drop my car off to be fixed. You know, try to keep it as realistic as possible, but at the same time, make it sort of a longer term. of being away instead of that real short term because we never know exactly how short term that memory might
0: be right and and I guess you probably shouldn't lie lie because then they're going to realize that you're lying and then you're, they're always going to think that you're lying right right sometimes yes yes
1: so try to keep it as as real as 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 you possibly can
0: so now this next one boy this next one I tell you they they really they're really something, these they, guys. They they are. They're, They're difficult. This, this third stage is, is bargaining and manipulation, and, and this is a big one. I'll say that they are
1: very, very good at the manipulation and the bargaining. Mm-hmm. Um, they come up with some pretty good doozies when it comes to trying to get you to take them home. Um, this, prob- this stage is probably one of the most difficult for families because this is when... Um, we start verbalizing to our families how how uncomfortable we are and how unhappy we are. Um, they will often do whatever it takes to not have to live in this facility. Um, they will bargain. They'll threaten to call the police and tell them that we're holding them hostage. Um, they'll accuse family members, and I'm sure some of you guys have heard it. Um, you have no right to take my house. Um, it's your fault I have to live here. What right do you have to sell my house? Who do you think you are? No one would treat their mother like this. Yeah, you don't yeah, love me. Yeah, anymore. the things that the things that get you right in the They are they are literally targeting your heart. Um because if 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 they can target your heart and they can make you feel that bad about them having to be here, then they know you will do everything that you can to not have to have them stay here. Even though you know in your heart of hearts it was the right thing to do to bring them into a facility where they could be safe. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy. You know, it, it's right up here. It yeah. doesn't always compute to your heart. Right? Right. So it's always kind of harder during this stage when they're being very accusatory mm-hmm. um, and they're being
0: very manipulative. Um, and this goes for like, they'll say they're stealing from me. They're not feeding me. They're, Yes. So then you'll pick them up
1: and you'll so take you'll them out them. and you'll come get them and you'll take them. I've even had client uh, family members come and take clients around to other facilities when they mentioned how ha- unhappy they were here. Unfortunately, when they went through all these environmental changes and saw all these different places and she came back, the increased anger was astounding. She was very confused, very agitated, very fixated on money. Um, and so it became very difficult for her to acclimate. So it took even longer and it extended that acclimation period even longer until, you know, we stopped
0: taking her out constantly. Yeah. Now, and, and this is another one of those areas where if the whole family's not on board, this particular thing can cause the biggest conflicts in family because you'll have one part of the family that knows mom or dad and know that there's an issue or problem. And then the other part of the family that doesn't really know so much. And then mom's telling them, she's stealing money from me. She's taking all my money. Not only that is often,
1: um, we are in denial ourselves that our loved one has dementia. Right. And when we have short snippets, when we have half an hour conversations, uh, when I'm in my stage threes and fours, and sometimes even in my beginnings of stage fives, I'm very good at faking it till I make it. And I can have a really good, meaningful conversation with you without you really picking up those telltale signs that something's not quite right. I almost um, believe them. But yep. when you spend a couple hours with that individual, you may not, you, you will start to see those memory deficits and those the, the word finding um when we can't remember words and we're trying to communicate so when we have that 15 minute 20 minute conversation on the phone with our loved one who lives in another state they seem fine yeah you know they seem okay they can have a conversation there's nothing wrong with them they're they're good but in reality, when you're actually here and you're with them for a long period, you're of seeing time, the pattern. you're seeing the pattern, you're seeing a lot more of those deficits that are happening. So that one family member that might be here every day spending time with that loved one mm-hmm. has a good grasp and understanding on what's going on. Whereas a family member that might live out of town might not
0: see the same behaviors and patterns that that family member. So then there's that conflict. Yeah, I've, I over the years, I have seen a lot of family conflicts and a lot of hurt feelings and and a lot of emotions that don't need to really happen but they do because that that whole communication has fallen apart absolutely and and then you have mom calling one person working against the other person mm-hmm. it, you know what i mean so you have to as whoever takes charge there's always a family member that takes charge That's with, right and that family member has to articulate and show examples and really pull the family together and say this is for my mom and dad's safety because I know you're not seeing it, but you got to trust me. So this is, there's really an issue. And problem
1: and, and I would definitely suggest that every family member who is in relationship with the loved one and will be communicating with them a lot, do their due diligence and really research and understand Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, I teach classes, I do community, um, um, speaking presentations a lot about a lot at the senior centers when we're not in a pandemic um and i've even done educational seminars here for families because there's a lot we don't know about alzheimer's and dementia there is such a vast world of things that that people don't really know and they're very surprised when they find things out and it's 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 difficult. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, there's so like it, 88 you, different types of dementia. Yeah, it's like it's, who knew? I just right, it was
0: one. I didn't know. Right.
1: You know. So, um depending on your loved one's type of dementia and depending on the stage of their dementia, you know, learning as much as you can about it is going to definitely benefit mm-hmm. you and your family, especially trying to get
0: through this whole acclimation period. Yeah. Because when I first started off, I I never thought that there was 88 types of Dementia. I thought dementia was Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's was dementia. It was just one thing. I didn't right. And you'd be separate. surprised how many people are, are the same that
1: Alzheimer's is yeah. just dementia is Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's is dementia. Yeah.
0: Well, right. yes,
1: everybody who has Alzheimer's has dementia, but not everybody who has dementia has Alzheimer's.
0: Or it's going to turn into Alzheimer's. Right. Right. Because there's lots of different forms of dementia. And dementia happens when, when the dementia progresses. Is that just the brain continuing to shrink? Um, it, it depends on the. It depends it on, on the that? form
1: of dementia. Oh, okay. So every every form of dementia has a different pathology on how it changes and the, changes the brain. Um, so it really just depends. There, you know, there are some um, dementias that only hit certain lobes of the brain. Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease um, hits your cerebral cortex, whereas um, FTD or frontal temporal lobe dementia just really focuses on that frontal and temporal lobes. So it really just depends, honestly, about which dementia that we're dealing with
0: here. So, so when so, you know, do your research. So then so so do some just hit the right side, some hit the left side, some it, it just really depends. It just really on depends, depends on the dementia. On the dementia. There's oh. all just all different kinds. Well, that's wonderful. Okay. So now we're getting to this number 4. The 4th stage which is it's it's sad. The 4th stage is hard because nobody wants oh. to see their loved one depressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Um,
1: this stage is where they're starting to feel like they've been abandoned or forgotten by their loved ones. And that is not to say that their loved ones haven't visited them every single day and spent time with them. It's just, unfortunately, they may have forgotten that they had that visit. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, it really pulls on your heartstrings when they call you and they're crying and they're sad um when they keep telling you that they don't want to do activities, they don't want to go sit with those other people, um we start to, you know, kind of pull ourselves away, withdraw from social situations. Um I'm hesitant to participate in these activities because I don't really know these people. Um this environment's kind of different to me. Um and it's it's sad and it's depressing because I'm trying to understand and accept that I'm not going, I'm not yeah. going home. I'm not right. leaving. So now I am depressed and sad. And so this can be really difficult for the families because again, nobody wants to see their loved one unhappy. So there's a lot of different things that we can do a lot of counseling. Obviously um, we do offer counseling through our general psych services, but sometimes, you know, during this acclimation process, and, and during this depression stage, it might be benefic- beneficial to talk to the geropsychologist mm-hmm. or the doctor and find out if maybe an antidepressant to be used just in a therapeutic way during this time, um, just to kind of help them therapeutically through this. And then when we get to done to done to done, the next stage of acceptance, um, we can start tapering off of that medication. And then we don't, because obviously these medications aren't good for anybody, not you, me.
0: It's just, oh, it's so just a little in, bit of a stepping It's just stone. a little
1: bit of a, a little boost. Yes, a little, therapy, a little therapy to help
0: us along the way until we can get to that next stage and mm-hmm. we can start to feel good. Okay. And when it comes to, to um, some of these stages, some of the families go through them also. You know, some of the families will go through like a, a stage of anger and a yes. stage of denial and Absolutely. a stage we of... We all go through it, I in. think, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's important to know, too, that your own feelings... Are go- are going to come to the surface, also. Yeah, yeah, and Absolutely. especially like that guilt, and am I doing the right thing? And and you just have to know in your heart of heart, this I'm doing the right thing. I know I'm doing the right thing. Yep. And and hold true to that. So we try to engage them in as much activities as we can. We try to get that socialization aspect out, that
1: human interaction that we all as human beings need,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, even if it's just like one on one. Right. You know, I'm just going to go in the room and I'm just going to sit and have a good good deep conversation with you and just let you, you know, let off some steam and just Mm -hmm. talk to me. Um, I would suggest, sorry to interrupt you, but I would suggest that if you're a family member and you do come in to visit with your loved one and they're going through any of these stages and they're in the middle of doing an activity because we actually got them to do an activity, I would ask you to join them. Mm -hmm. Instead oh, yeah, of yeah. let's, I'm going to take my mom and we're going to go into her room and we're going to sit and have a visit. That's, that's great. We want you to do that, but we also want you to be a part of the activities right. because this lets that client know that this is all okay. You know, I, I have my loved one here with me. We're doing this together. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's a, it, it takes a team to do it. I have support. I have guidance and my family member is letting me know that. It's okay to be a part of this, mm-hmm.
0: so that's very helpful. What I was going to say was, um, when when we first bring our clients in, there's an extensively long questionnaire. Yes, that that the families fill out, and a lot of the families are like, "Why do I have to fill all the? Why do I don't understand why that?" There's a, there's a point and a purpose to this very long questionnaire. So yes, maybe,
1: and we're going to get to that um, after we talk about that stage of okay, acceptance. Good, good, good. Um, acceptance. This is the this is the golden ticket. This yeah. is. Yeah. This is the yay moment. Um, this is when we start to see that they are becoming adapted to their environment. Often in the other stages, they'll say, "Hey, come, come to this room. You want to see this, this, this room, or, or come, come to this, this area over here and see where we do this." When we get to this acceptance stage, things start to change, mm-hmm. and we start to have ownership. Come see my room. Nice. Come look at my bathroom. I want to show you something. Come look at the prizes I won in the bingo that I was playing today. You know, this this ownership of me. This is mine. I own it. Um, this is when we really start to know that acceptance is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll start to refer to their suite as their home. And they might even start rearranging some of the things in their suite to, to accommodate them, to make it more their own. And so instead of I'm packing up all my stuff and I have to leave, Now it's the opposite. Now I need to put this right here because I need to see this right here and it looks good and that's mine and I like the way it looks right there. And often they become very particular about where things um, should be. Um, We start to become accustomed to a routine, time for meals, time to rise, time to go to bed, time to do activities. Um, We start to make friends um, with other clients. Um, Sometimes we make friends with more than one person, but often we latch onto that one friend and become very good friends. Um, And then of course we start trusting the staff. We start trusting our loved ones. We start trusting other clients that are around us. Um, We start building those relationships and trust goes a long way. And so we need to build that relationship of trust because it really helps in caregiving. Mm -hmm. Um, If they trust us, they'll allow us to take care of them and help them. So,
0: so those are the basic five, that's okay. So those are the basic five stages, but Also, this fifth stage sometimes is hard for the family because sometimes then they don't want to leave. Right. They don't want to go home for Thanksgiving. They don't. They
1: want to stay here. So now we've become so acclimated to our environment that it's so comfortable that we don't want to go anywhere Mm -hmm. else. And sometimes it causes anxiety for us to actually leave the facility and go out into the general population. Um, You you imagine all that sensory overload just from too much furniture and knickknacks in your room. Imagine a world that is just spinning so fast out and, and you're trying to catch up with it. And it's just a lot to process. And mm-hmm. often it is a lot of just sensory overload. And, and you know, we try to, our, our suedeus environment is a lot of, you know, green grass, blue sky ceiling, yeah, plants, beautiful. trees. It's very tranquil, the waterfall. So that environment helps to minimize a lot of those unwanted emotions like stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. And when we leave that environment, often it increases those unwanted emotions. So you'll see sometimes where clients will literally stop at those double doors and they will not move forward. They don't wanna go. Um, And so again, you know, it's hard for the families because well, why wouldn't you wanna come home with us? You you, You know, and it's hard. So, you know, when the pandemic is over, and oh, yeah. we can um, have people in our buildings again. This is where we suggest you bring the party to them. Yeah. Um, my grandfather lives here at the Lantern of Madison. And every year we have our Christmas party right here in our mm-hmm. theater. Hopefully we can this year. Um, because it's just so much easier to bring everybody to him. Because this is where he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. If he gets tired, he can get up and he can go to bed if he wants. And yeah. we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, but it's where he's comfortable and his friends are around and it's just, it's just better sometimes to just bring the party to them. Um,
0: And we definitely have the space to do it. Yeah. We have several spaces available and they become very, very close to their caregivers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times they just want their caregiver with them. No, no daughter, don't take me to the bath. My caregiver, you know, yes, my, my Susan will take me or Mm -hmm. yeah. And that has a lot to do with them not wanting to go, home sometimes, like, who's gonna take me to the bathroom? Who's gonna, and they just become so comfortable here, it becomes like their home. Right. And, and that's the ultimate, what you want to happen. That, that is our ultimate goal. whatever absolutely But at right. the same time, it's hard sometimes for the families to, it to, is, to see that.
1: This is a hard transition. It's a hard transition. Um, and, and, you know, as they go through these stages of acclimation, it can be difficult sometimes to, to manage um, behaviors for families when they're having these family visits. You can make family visits unpleasant, especially right. when they're sitting there accusing you of not loving you enough. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, right. how could you do this to me? But I really firmly believe that with the help of a care team mm-hmm. and with the help of the families that we can manage behaviors and that we can make visits more pleasant. Um, the more, in, more information, this is that we're going back to that long 81 questions right. Um, right. questionnaire, the more information we have about an individual, the more we can interact with them. The more that we can engage with them. Where did they work? What did they do for a living? You know, what comforts them? What agitates them? What will uh, what will they not tolerate? Um, the best one is, what is the names of all their loved ones? Right. Um, I can't say your older daughter's coming to visit later and they say, which one? What older daughter? I, yeah. I What's her name? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. that, that's, that's, that doesn't work and trying to keep that reality you know as much as possible and being able to say your daughter tina will be here later mm-hmm. you know names go a long way he she it them they they don't always with alzheimer's and dementia they don't always they're not always able to articulate what he she them they it are yeah. who are these people who yeah. are who is they yeah who are who, who is them that are coming? Yeah. You know, but when you say a name and your name specific, it's very, it's it, it allows them to process it a whole lot better. And it's more recognizable. Right. I know my daughter's name is Tina. I don't know who she or he or it or they are. Yeah. So knowing family names are very, very important. Um, it really helps us. Um, in my experience, the acclimation process can take anywhere from two weeks to three months. Yeah. Um, it really depends on the families, how much they take the, the, their loved one in and out of the building, how much they allow us to have that time with them to acclimate them to mm-hmm. their new environment and spend that time with them and get that trusting relationship built with their loved one. Um, that's really important. Um, but all of these stages that we just talked about, they're difficult.
0: They're yeah. not easy,
1: yeah. But they're normal, yeah. That's they're really so important. very normal, yeah. and and so when you don't realize that this is something that always happens, mm-hmm. it becomes difficult to accept it as a loved one that your your loved one is actually unhappy. So we we have to help our family members as well as the clients um, going through these stages because. Um, it's difficult it's difficult to navigate a conversation sometimes with somebody who has alzheimer's and dementia especially when they're being really accusatory um it's 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 difficult to find out you know what should i say and what should i not say what will agitate and what will comfort so for me um as a care team member i've often met with families um i've sat and done visits with the family members to help them navigate that communication and that um conversation so that they can have a good, meaningful, loving, pleasant visit. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know the it's 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 important to remember that the client may not remember the conversation. Mm-hmm. They may not remember what they said. But the family member is going to go home walking away with those words imprinted in their mind and their heart, and it's going to be very difficult for you to accept it. And so, any way that we can make your visits more pleasant, make them easier, mm-hmm. um, help you through them, navigate them, um, help with that reality and perception, um, is going to go a long way um, in in taking away a lot of that stress and a lot of that guilt from um, the family members who are experiencing that. Um, so that's that's really that that's really important. Um, you always we always have to make sure the family members know that they're doing the right thing, that they did the right thing, that they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to, to not, to feel like you're, you're doing the wrong thing, um, when you don't see somebody happy with the decision you made. Um, so it's always, it's always hard and it's always a struggle to understand, um, the behaviors and the emotions that they go through. But I feel like if we work as a team and we educate and we educate and we educate Mm -hmm. and we educate that we can make this a lot easier for everybody. And I think it could I think it could be a lot more of an easier process um, if we really make sure that we are spending enough time with the families and spending enough time with the clients and as a care team. Being a care team is very important. Yeah. What kind of what kind of training does the care team get? Um, All of the staff get a four-hour class on Alzheimer's and dementia. We talk about the brain, how Alzheimer's and dementia affects the brain, different types of um, dementia, how they affect that person, um, behaviors um, that are associated with the different dementias. um, Understanding that a need is a need. A need is a need until it is met. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand and try to figure out what that need is, even when the client can't tell us, cannot communicate what the need is. So learning body language understanding how to pull context words out of a sentence that may not make a whole lot of sense when Mm -hmm. they're trying to communicate. Um, This is all part of their education. Um, On top of that, they get four hours of education on their first day of orientation. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they get four hours of in-services throughout the year on Alzheimer's and dementia and different things that are associated with them from um, behaviors to um, environment, to um activities um and caregiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it's it's a lot.
0: They get constant. And I just go down sometimes and just start quizzing them. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever saw anything, you would always say, you know what? Well maybe try doing it this way. Yeah. Our, you know, way. our our
1: motto often is I'd rather try and fail than not try it all. Right. Because right. again, every individual is different. We all came from different backgrounds, different family dynamics, mm-hmm. different lifestyles. And so what 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 may work on me may not work. On Joanna or what um, doesn't work on Joanna may work on me. And it might be something that I can process and understand, whereas, you know, she may not. So we have to try everything. Um, And so that's something that I teach my caregivers. They all know that they have to have a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, They have to be able to communicate with me, with their nurse, with each other Mm -hmm. as to what's going on. Um, I always tell them if something works, shout it out, and shout it out loud because yeah. we all need to know yeah. what works and it goes both ways. If something does doesn't work. work, shout it out and shout it out loud so that we all know what not to do to cause that person further
0: unwanted emotions, such as anger, depression, anxiety. Yeah. So, so now when they're starting, when now, sometimes as they get further down, they start having like outbursts, um, and different, in some difficult so, yeah, we talked in the beginning a little yeah. bit about how when we get to
1: them late stages of fives and sixes, how they become a little bit more malleable, but they still have out-of-character um, behaviors or, or dysfunctional behaviors that um, we're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those um, may include but are not limited to poor food intake. My gosh, my mom's not eating. Yeah. I can see she's losing weight. Um, what's happening? What's going on? Um, and it's really that at this point in time, they're just kind of grazing and they eat a little bit here and a little bit there, but they're so focused on trying to acclimate to this new environment and these new surroundings that they don't have the focus and attention to sit down and eat a whole meal. Right. So we may see some poor food intake. We may see a little bit of a weight loss, but normally when we get to acceptance, we start putting those pounds back on because now we're eating really good. Um, incontinence, whereas we may not have been incontinent before, now we're starting to, we're, we're having some incontinence issues. Well, because I don't know where the bathroom is and this is new to me and I'm, I'm not really sure what I do and I'm kind of embarrassed Do I just, what do I do? Yeah. You know, so incontinence sometimes happens, um, yelling out and screaming, sleep disturbances. Sometimes we don't sleep at all. Sometimes we sleep too much and we're napping all the time and we want to lay in bed all the time. Often we see that during the depression stage. Um, struggling with their activities of daily living, such as dressing and grooming, and giving themselves a shower. Um, sometimes, you know, we have increased confusion during some of our acclimation process, so we struggle with some of those ADLs. And of course, that's where you know our care staff would step in to support, guide, and assist them. Um, sometimes we have memory conflicts, whereas usually we're pretty sharp. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we're we're just slightly off because we're really trying to process everything that's happening in my world and so i kind of have some increased confusion during that time um wandering pacing repetitive body movements and anxiety um undressing in public um might sound strange but when you don't know your environment and you don't know where you are and you feel like okay well this is where i should be and i'm comfortable and this is what they keep saying like this is my home Well, then I'm just going to get undressed here and put my pajamas on. You know, why would you differentiate if I keep telling you this is your home from your apartment versus the common area? So until we really can build that routine with them and and, and get them to understand that routine, um, they really, they they don't always understand the most appropriate places to dress and undress. Um, Sometimes it's incoherent babbling. Um, resistance to care is a big one. That's probably our biggest struggle is resistance to care. I don't know you, why are you, you know, dressing me or undressing me or trying to get me to take a shower or even go to the bathroom. Sometimes these are pretty hard. Um, resistance to care, you know, building that trusting relationship, um, with that caregiver. That's why it's really important that our caregivers are as consistent as possible in our dementia unit, um,
0: which is, I feel we've done a pretty good job with. Um, so you always teach, like your girls or your staff, like the, the four questions. Yes, the four questions. When somebody's
1: having a behavior or an expression and they're unable to communicate it, uh, possibly because of the disease process, I always teach the staff that there are four questions that we can always ask that we will normally get a yes or no answer back. I'm not going to, as a dementia, Or Alzheimer's individual. I may not be able to volunteer the information or communicate it myself, but when I hear that question, I can answer appropriately. And those four questions are, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you have to go to the bathroom? And are you in pain? Because nine times out of 10, it's usually one of those four four things. You know, again, a need is a need until it is met. So if Mm -hmm. I have to go to the bathroom, but I can't express it, I'm going to show you some form or way that I have to go to the bathroom. And it may be going from door to door and jiggling doorknobs. Mm -hmm. It may be wandering into every other client's room that I can find because I'm in search of a bathroom Mm -hmm. and I might not even compute that it's a bathroom I need. I just know that I need something something. and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it. You know, so that's where that, a lot of that wandering and that pacing comes
0: into place. Um, and that goes for pain, too. Like, absolutely.
1: Pain, sometimes I, I'm not going to come to you and say, hey, I, I have bad knee pain. I need a Tylenol. Um, but I might be showing you anger or aggression because I'm in pain and I don't know how to express that I'm in pain. Um, so asking them in pain, if they're in pain, they most likely will be able to tell you yes or no. But asking them where the pain is might not compute because I know that I I know somewhere on my body it hurts, but I can't necessarily express or process exactly where that where that is on my body.
0: I just know that I hurt. Yeah. And so I can answer appropriately. Right. Yeah. And that's really important. And that's part of the the lantern training. Yes. You know, um, you know, a, a lot of times they'll come in. And they have never even worked with anybody with dementia or Alzheimer's. And that's where all of that training comes together. Very important. Very, very, very important. And I think that makes us a little bit different than a lot of other places, because we will take that time and do that training. And I I think it really sets us apart and mm -hmm. makes us a
1: completely unique entity in the amount of education that our staff receives on Alzheimer's and dementia alone. Right. Just on that. Just on that one topic. Just on that one topic, because we have uh, monthly in services throughout the whole year. And four of those alone are out of 12 are on Alzheimer's and right. dementia. Right. So um, I, I just I, I I worked in a lot of places um, in my 21 years and I never got this type of education. Right. So I think that really does set us apart. And I think that's huge.
0: Yeah, because
1: they do really have a good grasp. And, and our care staff, you know, when they take this class and and they have all this education, become a really good resource for family members
0: because now family members can actually mm-hmm. come and ask good questions and get good answers. So, well, that was wonderful. That's some really great information. Um, of course, if you've missed any or part of this, you can, you can catch us up on, on Facebook Live um, please join me tomorrow um, at the Lantern of Saybrook Facebook, where I'm going to be coming to you from Vector Security in Geneva, Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. and uh, Josh is going to be talking about the new wellness plan um, that's being offered for seniors, and along with other products and services to, to benefit our community, so I'm really looking forward to that. I would like to give a good shout out to
1: our girl, Sunshine Shannon. Sunshine Shannon, Sorry she couldn't be here with us today.
0: Um, but we miss you and we love you. We miss you and love you. There is no sunshine when you're gone. There's no sunshine. When There's no gone. sunshine when you're gone. So until tomorrow, I wish you a great afternoon. Thank you so much, Juliana, for helping us out today. I, I was so pleased to come and you were fantastic Thank and you. so much information. Thank you. And we wish you great memories and a great afternoon. Thank you. We'll Bye, talk everybody. about guilt. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a big discussion on guilt. Yes,
1: we'll talk about that in a later session. And Thank everyone. you
0: so much, everyone. It's have a great day. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.okra.com for more great content.